If you have your Bibles, let's open it up to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 42. And I, you know, I'm never, I don't know, the message is good. I like, I like, I like opening the Bible. I like teaching. I like that. But I tell you what, the worship team this morning just hit it. I mean, they hit it. The theology of the, of the music was solid. The heart behind it was solid. And is there anything like sitting and looking at our king and just crying out to him? I, I have never heard that, that last song. Um, just that's where our hearts need to be. We need to be at a point where it's just, just we're dry without God. Like we're calling out to God. We're saying, God, this is, this is me. Broken, this is me. I've tried everything I can. This is me. I need you. And at that point, God can just flood us with his love. He can flood us with his joy. He can flood us with his peace, with his healing. He can flood us with his love. Today we're talking about love. And one of my friends, Jonathan Almanzar, his wife is an artist. And you've seen her art. Here's, here's one of them. There's hearts just falling off a tree. When you walk in, what's that first picture you see? That was made by her as well. Big heart. And it says love right there. Love is what we're talking about today. I want to just jump right in. Um, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 42. You can also open up your U version. We have the notes um, on U version as well. If you need a Bible, there's a Bible in the back. There's Bibles on the lamp right here. Uh, if you don't have one, that's our gift to you. You can have it. I got to tell you, one of the reasons we do not put lyrics up on the screen, there's nothing bad about that, but one of the reasons we don't do it is so that you would grab your Bible, like this is your Bible, your sword, you'd begin to write, you'd begin to memorize, you would tear it up, you would, whatever it may be, you would begin to just grab this and say, this is mine. And so I'd encourage you, if you don't have one, to go buy one or take one of these if you need it. So let me just start reading Luke chapter 6, verse 27 through 42. And we're going to break it up a little bit. Here's the first section. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Wow. (laughs) Really? Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. All this is easy, right? So far, good, easy stuff. (laughs) Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. I do that every day, yeah? I do. I'm good at that. Not really. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn to them the the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks, asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Verse 21, do to others as you would have them do to you. I want to hit pause right now in this text, and I want us to look through these first, uh, what, three or four verses right here. And there's some words that just jump out at me. They grab my attention, they slap me in the face, and they really kind of confuse me if I'm going to be very honest about myself and the way that I'm reading this. The first thing that jumps out to me is do good. Love your enemies and do good. Another thing that jumps out, obviously, is verse 31. Do to others as you would have them do to you. See, rabbis, when, when they would teach, they would, they would take the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, and they would, they would begin to teach their, their philosophy on what, what uh, their interpretation of the Torah was, and they would begin to impart to their students a, a way of thinking, a way of teaching. And 
at this time, when Jesus is jumping on the scene and he's beginning to give us these words in Luke, what we hear right now is uh, everything that's come before us is rabbis teaching, and this is what they would teach, okay? This is what a common theme of their teaching would be, was this. What is hateful to you, do not do to your neighbor. And so the teaching up to this point, rabbis would stand up and they would say, what is hateful to you, don't do to your neighbor. And on the surface, we hear that and we go, it makes a lot of sense. What's hurtful to you, don't do it to other people. And this was common teaching up until this time. And then Jesus jumps on the scene. The rabbi jumps on the, te- on the scene. He begins to impart new teaching. And it's the same message, but it's an offensive message. It's not a passive message. Because the teaching up to this point was, what is hateful to you, don't do it to your neighbors. I like that. But Jesus stands here and he says, it's not just enough not to do bad to somebody. That's, that's not just enough, not to do bad to somebody. Christians are being opposed. They have opposition here, and we've always had opposition. We will continue to always have opposition. So in the face of opposition, in the face of enemies coming against you, just not doing bad for them or against them is not enough. Jesus jumps on the scene, and he says, what? Do to others. Do to others as you would have them do to you. It's not natural to do to others what you would have do to you. It's not natural to love someone who slaps you in the face. It's not natural to give someone your shirt when they've taken your coat. It's not natural to do all this. It's not natural. And Jesus says, in the natural flesh, in the natural as human beings, it's not going to be natural. That's why I'm sending my spirit. That's why I'm coming and I'm going to be part of you because the old vocabulary, your old self, I am going to make new. You're going to speak a new language and these things of loving people who hate you, it's going to start making sense. I'm going to start rebuilding your heart. I'm going to start rebuilding your mind. So just not doing bad stuff to people is not enough. Jesus says that's not enough. He says and takes it one step further, do to others as you would have them do to you. You are a new creation. Do you know how much Jesus loves you? Do you know how much he wants to rebuild your heart? Do you know how much he wants to get into your mind and reshape the way that you think and you view people? And even as we're looking at this text, the way that we relate to our enemies? It's not natural to do what Jesus is asking unless we have his spirit that's in us, teaching us and guiding us and showing us how. Let's go to verse 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. Verse 34. And if you lend to those from who you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But... Love your enemies, again. But love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High because He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Verse 36, be merciful just as your Father 
is merciful. It's at pause right here. We're going through a lot of texts today, and I'm going to tell you again, just like I do every week, we can only point out a few things in Scripture. That's why it's so important to be in the Scripture, to be reading this stuff. I think what would be incredibly good to do is go home and start digesting this stuff. Read ahead. Go back. Ask God to show you some stuff, because we can only show you some things. And house churches, that's the reason we have house churches is we get to come together on Wednesdays and we get to see and talk about what God's doing in our heart through the scripture and say, I was confused when we talked about this or I didn't like this or I liked this and what does this mean to our life? So I'd encourage all of us to be in the scripture and to be reading and studying this. As we look at these verses from 32 all the way through 36, he says, do good and do to others. He says, love your enemies in verse 35, but love your enemies. What does this word love mean? I mean, we've, we've probably heard this before, but in the Greek, there, there's three words for love that, that I just kind of want to talk about real quick, just so we can explain what love is. In America, we, we've kind of lost the meaning of love, like the word. The word itself has been hijacked. Our vocabulary has been hijacked. How many of you say, man, I love hot tamales? Do you, do, I mean, do, really? Chad's like, yeah, he likes, he likes spicy stuff. You know, I love, I love hot sauce, or I love swimming, or I love sunsets, or I love coffee. Our, our word has been hijacked so much that it's, in essence, lost its meaning for the most part. Well, let me, let me explain a few things in Greek, what it means. All right, storge is Greek. It means natural affection. And that, when, when you see that in Greek, it means this. It would be like kind of saying, hey, hey, bro, I love you. Kind of like that casual, like, so when you see that in scripture, that's what that is. Um, Eros, that's the romantic love, you know, like, to Lauren, my wife, would be like, I I Eros you, you know. That's like the romantic love, and none of you are going to get that title from me, sorry. Um, Phileos, that's more like the friendship. The Phileos, I love you like a brother, I love this guy, like that. That's a a little more deep kind of love. And then we get to this agape love. This agape love is, is something that I don't think I'll ever be able to really just, to, to grasp because the agape love is the love that says it's without merit or without any kind of response it means unconditional love this is the kind of love that Jesus has for us it's without merit and it's without any kind of response and so right here when we're hearing this we're saying love your enemies God is saying love your enemies the agape kind of love because there's often times when your enemies when you're loving them they're going to keep slapping you and it doesn't merit that kind of love does it There's going to be times when you're loving someone that's so hard to love and it's not going to come back. You're not going to get any kind of response. And that's the kind of love that Jesus says we need to have for people. And specifically here as we look at the text, for our enemies. So, you know, I love hot sauce because it does something for me that I like. I love running because it does something for me that I like. I love sunsets. I love filling the blank because it does something for me that I like. I love so-and-so because they do something for me I like. That's not the kind of love that God's asking us here. He's saying love with agape that doesn't merit response. Love with agape, the kind of love that, you know, you're not probably going to see come back to you. That's the kind of love that Jesus loves us with. Look at verse 25, or 35, sorry. There's 35, but love your enemies. So, so I want to ask, how many of you have enemies? Any, anyone here? There's a, couple, there's a couple hands here. You're like, yeah, 
I've, I've got some enemies. We all can say we've had enemies or we've been wronged at one point in our life. I think back all the way to, to junior high. I think that, that if, you didn't, if you made it through junior high without an enemy, so you did something wrong or you were homeschooled. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm like, I, I, I have no idea. You know, I was, I was just the really good guy. I, growing up, you know, I like followed all the rules, crossed all the T's, dotted all. I just a really good like. I, 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 what are you looking at, Chad? Come on, I, I you know, I'm just a good guy, right? Good parents, went to church, all, you know, all that stuff. I was, I, I think I was likable. Carl, was I likable? You're like, I don't know, I don't, I didn't know you. I, I think I was likable, but I did an error in junior high. I started dating Misty. She was good looking, as, as far as junior high can go, right? She, you know, Misty, I was just dating. I, I didn't do anything wrong. I just said, you know, I probably handed her a note that said, will you date me or something? Do you love me? Check the box. You know, she checked yes. I'm like, boom, yes. That's all I did. But suddenly, because, because I'm dating Misty, I had enemies all over the place. They're like, you know, grabbing my locker and shaking it so stuff would fall. You know, I mean, all this stuff. They made my life bad, miserable for a while because I was dating the hottest girl in school. Take that, you know. But I, but I grabbed enemies, you know. Audra. My youngest daughter, 12-year-old, has a huge heart. She does. And, and I think I have a new enemy. It's called Oscar. And it's a stupid cat that showed up out of nowhere. It showed up to die at our house. I guarantee you. It, it was living in our bushes. It wasn't moving. It's was snotty all over the place. It was there to die. And I'm like, good, die. Audra shows up. And she's like, oh, $70 later. And we still got another bill coming. Anyone want to pay $350 to fix this cat? Audra is feeding this cat back to life. I think that's my enemy. I open the door. The cat's sitting there waiting for food. I want to kick it, but it's just, I'm joking. It's just there. We, we, we all have enemies. Sometimes we work with them, you know? I, I remember in Miami, I was working at a bank when I was a starving musician. I could do a teller because my dad worked at banks, and so I was doing my tellering work, but for some reason, someone there didn't like me, and they started playing with my, my cash drawer so it would be short. It'd be, you know, I would never balance. And it wasn't anything big, like I'm going to jail or whatever, but it would be $5 here, 74 cents here, just enough to make it so I never balanced. And then, and then they got busted. I'm like, busted? But enemies, they, they, were, they were going after me, and they, and they were trying to come after me because they wanted my job. I don't know why. You know, whatever it may be. You know, we, we have enemies all over the place. There's times in our life when, when people rise up against us. I can think of a time in Lauren and I, our family's life, just, just a few years back, when a mass amount of people rose up against us. And some of those people even sent emails and phone calls and just started dragging us through the mud. Did we deserve it? No. We did not deserve the way that we were treated. Maybe there's times in your life, and you can think back of times, when people treated you so bad and you do not deserve the way that you were treated i mean maybe a little slap but not the whole slap right can you think about these times so how do we love the people that drag us through the mud how do we love the people that are sending those hurtful emails or playing with our cash drawer or that cat or whatever maybe how do we love the people that are there and we really feel like they are our enemy 
I can think of a couple things. One, the story of David and Saul. David and Saul. Saul's the king. David is promised to be king. He's going to be king soon. And Saul is chasing him all around the Bible. And he's trying to kill him over and over and over again. And David had the right. He had the opportunity to kill Saul multiple, multiple times. But David would not lift his hand against the man of God. Saul was David's enemy. And David left the consequences to Saul up to God. How many of us think we're powerful enough that we can act on the people that we would say are our enemies? Oh, they deserve that. Send out that email. Play with that cash drawer. Say that bad thing. How many of us treat enemies like enemies? Instead of what Jesus is saying, to show them that agape love, the love that, you know what, you still may get slapped a hundred times, a hundred times over. They may steal your coat. They may do all this stuff against us, but this is the love that Jesus asks of us. Here's kind of just something I found in life. Maybe you found it as well. I'm not sure. Love them, people. Love them and you'll love them more. Dislike them, and guess what? You'll dislike them more. Speak positive about somebody, you'll begin to like them even more. Speak negative about somebody, you'll begin to dislike them even more. It's just the nature of the way, the mechanics of the human body and the mind, how we operate. If you want to start disliking someone, just start talking negative about them. And you'll begin to believe that you dislike them even more. Keep going down that path, and pretty soon you'll hate that person. But look at the opposite of what Jesus does. He says multiple times in Scripture, love, love, love. When you're slapped, love. When your enemy comes against you, what do you do? We love. God says, I can't be neutral anymore. I can't just not do bad things to people. No, I've got, I've got to be the, on the offensive. I've got to do good things, like things that I would want done to me. I can't be neutral anymore. God is a passionate God. He says, don't be lukewarm. We are to live our lives as salt and light in a flavorless and a dark world. We can't just not do bad to other people. We are to be active in doing good and loving others as Jesus did and shows us how to. Can you think of an example in the Bible where Jesus himself showed us how to love his enemies? I can think of multiple, but let's just go to the last most remarkable one. Jesus, he's hanging on the cross. What has just happened to him? If you know the story, if you follow Passion of the Christ, if you've read it, what has just happened to him? Nothing like anything that's ever happened to us. Jesus, his beard was being ripped out. Ouch. Jesus just had a thorn a crown of thorns, he slammed into his skull, blood, he was beaten, he was whipped, he was spat upon, he was stripped of his clothes, he was humiliated. Has that happened to any of us? Jesus is hanging on the cross. And what does he say? What does he do? He looks at the people who I would consider my enemy, and I would have a few choice words for you, because it's taken me forever to grow out my beard. And what does he say? Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. He had every right in the world 
to be angry and to call down curses upon these enemies. And what does he do? He leaves a lasting example, a thumbprint for us to follow. We can walk in his steps, and we can look at the people that are doing us wrong, our enemies, the people that are slapping us, and we can say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. A lot of people we encounter throughout our week don't speak the same language we do. They don't know the person of Jesus Christ. The spirit isn't inside them. And so when they hear love their enemies, it makes no sense to them. It makes no sense whatsoever. Some of us, we need to look at our lives and we need to ask, are we loving people the way that God has asked us to love people? God, would you please forgive my spouse for for leaving me? Right? God, would you please forgive that coworker for spreading lies about me? God, would you please forgive the way that person cheated me, wronged me, stole my business from me? God, will you please forgive what that person has done to me? And some of us may sit here right now and we're saying, Aaron, yeah, I get that. But I've been wronged so bad by someone. Deep, deep, deep wounds. Physical wounds, emotional, spiritual wounds. I've been wounded by people to a degree you would never understand. And there's rage in me against this person. This person is my enemy. And just like in Psalms, I am cursing them. I want them to die. If that's you, for one, I'd encourage you to read Psalms. And do read Psalms. There's portions of Psalms and Proverbs where it's like, God, he's my enemy, she's my enemy. Curse them, let their womb be barren, destroy them, annihilate their children, children, children. And all the while, while you're reading Psalms and you're you're reading Proverbs, keep in mind why these books were written. They were written in context so we would know how to process. It's the Psalms and God is giving someone a permission to process out loud how to live through anger and to be honest. The worst thing that we can do with the emotions of anger and rage is to bury them down and say, it's all good, love. Jesus says to love, but there's a process that we need to go through. Some of us need to run to Jesus Christ. Some of us may actually need to go and sit with a professional Christian counselor and and say, help me process through how to forgive this person because I'm so deeply wounded. So if that's you, you can think of a wound that's so deep, don't bury that down anymore. It's going to bubble up and it's going to ruin you. Jesus says, come to me with all your burdens, all the stuff that you hurt, how you've been wrong, come to me and I will heal you. And it may take time to forgive that enemy. But all along, the end result is to what? Love. Do to others what you would have done to you. Let's jump to verse 39. I'm going to skip a few verses. I'll let you digest them yourself. But let's jump to verse 39. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but whoever who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? 
How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye, you hypocrite. First take the plank out of your eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your eye. So I look at at the rest of this passage from 39 um, all the way down to, what do we just read through? Verse 42. Blind leading the blind. If we remember that we have the Holy Spirit in us, God is teaching us, He's loving us, He's redeeming us, He's restoring us. How can we expect to go to our workplace and how can we expect that person who knows not Christ at all to act the way that God says to act? It's like the blind leading the blind. God has given us His word. He's given us His instruction. He's given us His love. He's given us His Holy Spirit here. And He says it's like the blind leading blind. If you don't lead, if you don't actively show people my love, they will never see it. If you just not do wrong to them, that's not enough. I want you to go to your workplaces. I want you to go wherever you are. And don't be the blind leading the blind. Lead out. Love them like I have loved you. Forgive them like I have forgiven you. Be different in a neutral world. Be different. Stand out in a world of neutral love. And so when you're wrong, you can love them and you can love it actively. So we see here, he says, be, it's like the blind leading the blind. And be like their teacher. Jesus is saying, I've shown you how to love. Jesus was active in showing us the ultimate act of love. Look at the cross. Look at his life, his teaching. Jesus was active. And I thank God that he was active in my life to show me how much that he loves me. And then verse 41, this may catch some of us just off guard a little bit. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank? In your own eye. Man. <laughs> we all need to recognize how much we need God's forgiveness in our life. Our life. Let's forget about the rest of the world. Let's forget about our greatest enemies. Let's forget about our family. We need to come to the realization that God loves us. And just like the band, the worship team just led us in that last song, we need to come to the the point where we realize that without God, we are broken. And all of our actions go against God. We need Him to forgive us. We need Him to love us. We need Him to rebuild us and to restore us. And so how dare we even look at our enemies and say, burn, and have no love for them. And all along, we ourselves need that love and that forgiveness from God. If we can understand how much God loves us and how much we need his forgiveness and his love, it helps us relate to a world that is against us. (laughs) Here's two truths. We've all been wronged. And another one, we have all wronged. We've wronged people. Just as much as we all raise our hand and say, I've been wronged at one point in my life we can easily raise our other hand and say, I've also wronged someone in my life. That forgiveness and that love is something that we run after every day. What does this mean for us? What does this mean for Church Project? What does this mean for us sitting in this world right now? It means this. It means Church Project, wake up. We can no longer live in a place of neutral love. No longer. There's people in Greeley, there's people all around us that are waiting for us to stand up and show them how to love because they don't know how. It's saying, church project, do we want to be around 
people that are forgiving and loving? Or do we want to be around people that are hateful and disgusting? And if we say the first, we're in a bad place. We want to be around people that need the love of God. And we want to go to those places and we want to speak the love language, the agape love that says, I don't care how many times you've slapped me or how many times you've wronged me. Here is the love of Christ. And I want to show that to you. And I want to show you that forgiveness. We want to be in that place. And if we are in that place, that means we are reaching out to the ugliest of ugly people, right? It means we are reaching out to people just like us, and we're saying, here is God's love. That means we are now being very active in knowing who our neighbors are. We are now being very active in talking to people. Wherever we go, we're living out God's love in the context of our ministry. What's the context of our ministry? It's every place that we go every day. You're driving down the road. This happened to me this week. You're driving down the road, and you see someone walking with their, with their little baby, and it's like 190 degrees outside, and you're thinking, how far is this person going to walk? I mean, obviously, they're, they're in the middle of nowhere. I need to go somewhere. What's the context of that love? Should we stop and give them a ride, or should we drive on down the road? Because we're too busy. What's the context of your ministry? Is it feeding people? Is it encouraging people? Is it having conversations with people? Is it honestly buying someone a beer, a drink? Like caring for people, showing people God's love? Is it writing a birthday card to someone? Is it being different? Yes, it's being different. It's being love to people who don't know how to love. And when you're wrong, it's being even more of that love to people who do not know how to love. If I'm going to be really honest with us right now, we can look around in this room, and I love this church. Do you? I love what God's doing here. I think we're about to see one of the most phenomenal years this year, coming up soon, right now. We're already experiencing it. There's life change that's happening. There's marriages that are being saved. There's addictions that are being broken. There's proud men that are actually talking with each other and being vulnerable. You know that? Wow. We're going to do another marriage retreat with Hans and Star. We're growing another church tonight in Denver. How awesome is that? We get to be a part of some cool, cool stuff. I love this church. This is my church. I love my church. Do you? If I am being really honest, I look around and say, if we are being the agape love that we should to anyone and everyone throughout our week, this place should be packed. How can I say that? Because if we are being God's love to people, it's going to be so confusing to them that they're going to want to be around us because we're different. And God's love is radiating out of us. Church, wake up. Let's love, really, everywhere that we go. Let's get people here. Let's get people wherever God is and point them to the house church. Point them to the Bible. Point them to this love because there's a people all around us that are hurting. And the only way that we'll be able to love them is when we recognize how much we need God's love in our own life. Amen? I hope this is getting a fire in your belly, getting you to rise up. 
to realize how much God loves you and to show other people that love? If we do that, this building's not big enough. All the buildings in Greeley won't be enough. Because like I pray, and like our leadership prays, God's love will reign over Greeley. What would that look like if everyone in Greeley was loving their neighbor and loving the way that Jesus loves? It would change our lives, wouldn't it? When I get up to speak, I have, I have no tear, and it's really neat to see how sometimes God just kind of bounces me around and has me focus in certain areas more than I thought I would, and maybe even skip over some areas, you know? And I trust that today, God was working in your heart and showing you some cool stuff. Um, I would like us to just go into a time of just meditating on God, a time of response, a time of just asking God, God, show me what you have for me today. As a church, when we can grasp how much God loves us, it changes everything. It changes the way that we interact with people. It changes the way that even, you know what it changes? The way that we look ourselves in the mirror. Some of us, we look in the mirror and we're not happy with what we see. And we can understand how much God loves us. That agape love, no matter how many times we've slapped him or whatever we've done against him, we can look in the mirror and begin to cry. Because God loves us so much. I'm going to ask us right now, if you would, just close your Bibles. And again, just hold out your hands and say, God, I, I receive what you want to show me today. Ask God to show you some truths. Dig deep. Have you been hurt? Some of us, we truly are dealing with a pain, a hurt that has been forced upon us that's so deep to the point where we're saying, yeah, you say God is good. How can a good God let something like that happen to me? sin entered the world we began to go against God from the very beginning and God says I, I don't want to see pain come upon you, a hurt come upon you that's the choice of a fallen world and it breaks God's heart that you're dealing with that thing that's so incredibly deep and hard he says I didn't cause that pain but I want to be there to help you through that pain, I want to be there to love you to forgive you, to help you forgive others. He says, come to me and embrace me. If that's, if that's you right now, would you just talk to God? Say, God, please forgive me or help me forgive that person. God, I want to run to you with my problems. Some of us, the part that we're talking about being lukewarm or calloused or guarded, we 
would raise up and say, that's me. That's, I'm just lukewarm. I'm callous. I'm guarded. I don't know why I've been hurt. And it's caused me to walk in a neutral love. And I don't want to be that anymore. So maybe your conversation right now with God just looks like, God, would you give me the strength to love people the way that you love people? God, to love my enemies the way that you love your enemies? God, would you show me how to love people that hurt me every day? Some of us, we're so bitter and we're so angry. It's destroying our life. May I ask why you're carrying that burden? It's too heavy for you to carry. Give it to Jesus right now. Some of us, just like a couple weeks ago, we talked about being so proud and so judgmental that we're not seeing our own sins. We can't recognize how much we need God's love and forgiveness. And so, of course, we can be proud and walk around and judge people, be mad at people, because we ourselves aren't realizing how much we need His forgiveness and His love. Ask God right now to help you live a life of humility and to forgive you. Say, God, I'm so sorry of being so selfish and pride and God and proud. God, I need you right now. I give my life to you, God. Because this agape love I don't understand. But I thank you that you're giving it to me. And I want to show that to as many people as I can. The world is not our enemy. Satan is our enemy. And if he can get us judging people, and if he can get us proud, then he's won. If you would right now, I invite everyone just to stand. I'd like to go into a time of response. For some of us, the response is is we realize how much God Jesus did on the cross for us and we want to celebrate that we want to respect that and for that there's there's communion on your back right I invite you at any any point here you can go and pick up the piece of bread and dip it in the juice and it reminds us of Jesus hanging on the cross and how his body was broken and his blood was spilled on our behalf. The ultimate agape love to us, his enemies, he looked and he said, forgive them. Know not what they do. And he showed us this ultimate love. For some of us, we'll go and take communion. Others, there's tithe back there, a place where we can give of our money and we can give generously, faithfully, obediently. We can give back to God what he's given us. We say, We want to be a part of what God's doing here and beyond. We want to be a part of growing churches, whatever it is. God's asked us to give that. For some of us, we actually may need to go apologize to someone in this room or just sit and pray and say, God, please help me forgive. If you would like prayer, Danny's up here. We would love to pray with you. I invite all of us, no matter what God's doing in your heart or in your mind, just to hold your hands out. And as we sing this song, people, can we worship God? Can we say, thank you for this love. I accept it, God. You are holy. You are
thank you for bringing us here. I pray that you'll accept this worship. I pray that your spirit will continue to move in us. God, thank you.